Paul is saying now, seven, verse 17 in chapter 4 is a transitional verse. We've primarily, not, not to completely, but we've primarily focused on our identity, our positional truth in Christ. And that is that who we are in Him will not change. And we need to renew our mind, of course, to that fact that we are in Him. And there's a whole host of, of uh, wonderful things that uh, we have because of that. But now we're going to start focusing a little bit on uh, the temporal truth uh, in, our, in our walk with Him. Because you see, I need, to re- I need to backtrack a little bit when we first started the course. Uh, we mentioned to you that Ephesians is written to... Uh, it's written to the church at Ephesus, but it's primarily written to the people who are engaged in the work of the Lord. And as we get into chapter 6, about verse 10, you're going to see something there. He says there in verse 10, uh, there's a Greek word called, to- called toilopon. And some people have translated that, uh, we're saving the best to last, because it is an exciting, uh, some exciting verses there about putting on our armor and all this. But that word, and the reason I'm emphasizing this is because this is all building up to that, he tur- it's almost like he turns to another group of people there at Ephesus, which I personally feel like it was the leadership, and he said, put on, and the word indicate, put on the whole armor, it indicates that as you have done before. He says, so now I'm turning to you. As you have done before, put this on. So here in chapter 4, he's telling us some things to put on and, of course, to put off. And so I want you to have that in your mind as we're reading this. He says, This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord, that you henceforth, that means from now on, walk not as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. Now that, that indicates that it's possible for you to do that as a Christian. You can walk in according to the, the, the passions of your flesh and the vanity of your mind. And notice that he says, as they walk in the vanity of their mind, having the understanding darkened, being, being alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because uh, of the blindness of their heart. He says, who being past feeling, uh, let's see, I've lost my place here. Because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over unto lasciviousness to work all uncleanness with greediness. But, now notice, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be, notice that conditional phrase there. If so be that is actually one word. That's why the if so be is not highlighted in your digital Bibles. That you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus. That you put off concerning the former conversation, the old man which is corrupt according to the deceitful lust. And be renewed in the spirit of your mind. And that you put on the new man which after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Wherefore, putting away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Now let's go back up there. Uh, The epistles of Paul 
are really not about the crisis of the new birth. The epistles are about the process that takes place after the new birth, which a lot, a lot of people have ignored that process. And they, of course, don't grow up in him. I mean, that is the condition of a large, large part of the body of Christ today. People have not been trained and taught to grow up in the Lord uh, and, 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 of course, live that out. But one of my, old, my, one of my favorite uh, premeditated statements that I like to make, and I made it Sunday, I'm going to make it again right now, that what you meditate on is what you're going to conform to. And so we need to take that in the positive and meditate the concepts in the Word of God. Now, I, I just feel like this coming up in my spirit again, so we're going to deal with this. Uh, it's not really in your notes. But the thing that, that we need to understand is that, that uh, living these things out is so incredibly important. And that because you are a Christian, it doesn't necessarily mean that you're going to automatically grow. Just like, you know, people raising kids... Uh, you know, you know, if you feed them well, they're going to grow. Well, it's not just like that. With the, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you're going to grow. And so we have to focus on that. And, and as we meditate these things, these concepts, and one of the one of the bad things about the so-called confession message that we really focused on back in the early '80s and and 90s was, you know, uh, keeping your confession in accordance with the Word of God, which is true. I mean, we have to do that. But the reason that we've confessed a lot of things and they never happened is because we've confessed it as a, as a scripture, as a group of words. We've, we've rolled them over, as I mentioned Sunday, I think. Uh, isn't it interesting how the Holy Spirit prayers these messages together? I, I'm not... Uh, smart enough to do that. But the thing about it is we need to confess the concepts, the revelation knowledge and the concepts of the Word of God. Not just get you a bunch of scriptures that meet your needs and start saying them before the Lord. I mean, uh, if, if, if my kids kept coming up to me and say, Oh, Daddy, I thank you that you meet all my needs. You feed us. You bring home the groceries and, and mom fixes them and we're so thankful. You know, we, we confess. You know, I mean, I'd get tired of that. But you see, God wants us to realize that because of our identity, who we are, He is Father. You know the, the phrase Abba Father. I didn't get this uh, to this Sunday. The phrase Abba Father. Have you ever understood why that that was, I mean, Abba is a word that means father. But have you under, ever understood why the Holy Spirit put both those there? It is that Abba means father by vocation. And then, of course, the word father means father by parentage. So it is God's vocation in our lives to grow us up, to teach us, and to train us. And this is the reason he gave the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is responsible for our growth. But we have to listen to it. See? And when we, when we, through ignorance, don't pay attention to the Word, and we don't get into it and start meditating the Word of God, we're not going to grow. We're going to be stunted, you see. Does that make sense? Okay. So, Philippians 2, 12, and 13 then, 
We've all quoted this many times. It says, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Work out your own salvation for or because. It is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. Well, we know another scripture. Jesus said, it's the Father's good pleasure to give you what? The kingdom. So you see, as we work out our salvation, and, and as I said many times, we just, we just, and pardon me for going over stuff. It's just, I have to follow the leading of the Spirit. For, you know, I am a repeater rifle. But the word soteria there in Philippians 2 is not the same word as sozo, which is the word for saved. We've, and we've made that clear, those two different things. We see the, the charismatic world, I don't know about the other people, Christians, but the charismatic world, we have, we have lumped those two together. We've lumped soteria and saved together, and then people read that with an understanding that they're the same, and people will argue with you and say, yeah, we've got to work this out. See, Well, no, you're not working out your salvation. You're, you're, you're being saved. That's God's responsibility. What you work out is the salvation that you already have, and you let it come forth from you and start walking in that. That salvation, that soteria, is actually on our shoulders to give to the world through, through healing and signs and wonders and all that. That is soteria being played out. So that is what he's talking about. Uh, uh, and, and one person said, work that which is on the in, inside to the outside. And you can apply that. It's a little vague, but you can apply that. So what we have to first discover in our growth process is the fact that we are dead. So turn with me to Romans chapter 6. Romans 6. And we'll start about verse 7, I guess. He says, For he that is dead is freed from sin. I mean, that's a pretty obvious statement. You know, walk by a casket and try to get that thing to sin again. It's not just going to ignore you. And so in Christ, when we dead, we, when we died, we, were, we are literally dead to sin. You say, well, what about, why do people keep sinning then? Because they're living in a body that's not born again. They're living in a piece of flesh. This thing has a mind. It has a will. And it wants us to do what it wants us to do all the time. But now notice that positionally, he that is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him, knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dieth no more. Death hath no more dominion over him. That, that, is, that is the Greek word koreu, which literally means to be a lord. Death cannot be lord over us, because of the resurrection of Christ. See. Now notice what he says here. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he liveth, he liveth unto God. Likewise reckon ye yourselves to be dead indeed to sin, unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So that's, that's the word reckon there. Uh, let's see. I'm going to touch that and see what that is. Logizomai. 
Logizomai has got the word logos in there, and it's talking about listing things down. And so, in other words, your estimation of yourself is that I'm dead to sin. And see, once you get that, once you capture that revelation, I'm telling you, it comes to pass. It will not have the draw. I know the first time the Holy Spirit ever dealt with me about some of the issues, I was sweeping the floor at a quick trip in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And I was the night manager because I went to school in the daytime. We lived in a big old Presbyterian church apartment and cleaned the church for them so that we could have the apartment. So we cleaned the apartment in the afternoon, went to school in the morning time from 8 to 12. So that night, this particular night, I was sweeping the floor. And there's always a big rack of what we call flesh magazines. You guys know what those are? And so, you know, all, since I was a little boy, pretty women have attracted me. <laughs> so, you know, that's always been a, a, a note there. And so as I was sweeping, the Holy Spirit said, stop and look at those. And so I, I stopped and looked at them. He said, now I want you to tell them that the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made you free from, this, from the law of sin and death. Amen. And that's the first time. I mean, this was 1980. That's the first time he had ever spoken to me about that kind of a thing. So I reckoned myself. Somebody asked you, are you dead? And you say, well, I reckon. In other words, my, my estimation of myself, who I am, I'm dead to sin. Now this thing that we're living in likes to sin, and it still will sin if you let it. And that's why the next verse says a therefore. Because of your reckoning, he says, let not sin therefore reign, be Lord in your mortal body that you should obey it in the lusts thereof. So that's the first thing that we need to learn about ourselves is that we're dead. Now, you are new creatures, it says there in your notes. Now act like it. Now Ephesians 4.17 again, he said there to uh, 4. Go back and look at that. He says, I, this I say therefore and testify in the Lord that you henceforth walk. Now the word walk here is the Greek word peripateo. It means to walk in a well-worn path. It, it's talking about basically uh, walking or conducting your behavior. The walk that it's talking about, peripateo pretty much always talks about your behavior in your life. How you walk out your life on a daily basis. And so he says, from now on, do not walk the way they walk in the vanity, that which is devoid of truth, that's what the word vanity means, uh, in the vanity of their noose, in the vanity of their mind. That means understanding. The reason the world does not walk according to the righteousness of God is that they're not born again. They have no understanding of it, see. And they walk in the vanity of their mind, that which is devoid of truth, but they do the very best that they can. The world out there is figuring and plotting and planning and, and inventing things and everything. It's all in the vanity of their mind. And so he's telling us not to work that way again. And then verses 18 and 19, these two verses are speaking to the people that do walk according to their, the vanity of their mind. It's talking to sinners. 
and they having their understanding darkened, that means, uh, as I put here, and I think it's in your notes, the dianoia scotizo, which means blinded to understanding. Their way of thinking, their way of feeling is obscured. See, That's why it's such a tragedy for uh, a husband and a wife, a, a father and a mother, to get born again and then bring their kids into the church and automatically expect them to start living like Christians because they can't. They have to be born again too. I mean, why would somebody impose laws, rules, and regulations from the Word of God on people that don't even know God? And so parents need to get their children born again, spirit-filled, teaching them in the Word of God. I can't tell you the times when I... I mean, I'm not out in public much. But I can't tell you the times, almost every time that I'm in public, I see parents with children and I want to go up and ask them, what are you doing to keep them out of hell? Are you teaching them to love Jesus? Because if you don't teach them to love Jesus, nobody will. Maybe, maybe God will move on somebody that's an intercessor and start praying for them. That's pretty much the only, the only thing. I mean, a lot of kids in this world, they have, I mean, it's almost 0% chance to make it in the, in the world because they're not being taught to love God. Teaching a kid to live laws, rules, and regulations will cause him to rebel like you have never seen in your life when he gets old enough. But teaching them to love Jesus and start feeling His presence and His love you know, just like I try to ask my wife and my daughters when I think of it, if they feel loved today. Father wants us to feel His love. He wants us to be intimate with Him and feel His love. So, verses 18 and 19, talking about their, their understanding being darkened and blinding, blinded to that understanding. Romans 1.21 uh, deals with this in a way Let's see, I'll tell you, we'll just go over there. Romans 1.21. He says, because that when they knew God, they glorified Him not as God, but neither were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. Their foolish heart was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man and to the birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lusts of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshipped and served the creature more than the Creator who is blessed forevermore. Amen. Several years ago, I was meditating that portion of Scripture because I really, I really wanted to understand what he was saying there. I, you know, on a face value, you can kind of get, gather that he's talking about homosexuality and all kinds of perversions and things like that. But I really wanted to get the heart of God on it. I wanted to know what Father thought about it. So as I was meditating on that and praying in the Spirit, He unveiled to me, it was almost like a scroll, a scene of a movie. I don't really know how to describe it. 
But I saw in an instant how God viewed those people. And the love from Him was beyond anything I could understand. His love for those people that He's describing here was beyond my comprehension. I, could, I mean, I know that God loves. But He, said, he, he intimated to me, it was, no, it was not verbal, He intimated to me that He gave them what they wanted and insisted upon. Because He's love. He said, okay, you guys want to do it. This is what happens. They became alienated. That means to be shut down or shut out. Colossians 1.21 says that uh, they were alienated and enemies in their mind. That means to be hostile and hated in your mind, in your dianoia, in your understanding. They, you know, a lot of people are alienated from God in their minds because they don't understand. Their understanding is darkened. And it says through ignorance. So that, so that through ignorance is the purpose clause of that statement. Through ignorance. You know the word agnostic comes from the word agnoia which is where we get our word ignorance from. So if somebody says they're an agnostic, they're ignorant. They're choosing to ignore God. They're ignorant. So Verse 20 and 21 in Ephesians then, back, back over in Ephesians 4. He says, but you have not so learned Christ. The word learned, as I've put it there in your notes, is manthano. means to increase your knowledge, to learn by use and practice. It, I thought it was kind of interesting that Matthew... His name means the learner. And it's very interesting that his line of work was uh, that of a tax collector and he was very meticulous in his writings and how he recorded everything. And that's why basically Matthew's gospel is chronological. It's point by point. So a little, when you're doing studies over there in Matthew, you can, if you do any Greek research whatsoever, it's a little Greek word named tauto. Tauto, T-O-U-T-O, I think. Tauto, and that means and next, and then the next, and then the next. And that's very, very uh, helpful when you're studying Matthew 24 and 25 and coming to end time things because that shows you that's exactly what it is. Now, verses 22 and 24 in Ephesians, it says to put off, that you put off concerning the former conversation, the, for, the former uh uh, conversation or manner of living, that is, the old man, which is corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man, which is after God is created in righteousness and true holiness. Now, that you put off concerning the former, that means all of the, all of the things, that is, to you have the memories of them, but you set them aside. You put them off. And as I said, it's just like a, a set of clothes. You take it off and you lay it aside. You have to decide to do that. It's not just going to go away just because you're praying and worshiping God. Amen? Amen? So, you have to choose to put it off. 
You say, yeah, but it's so hard, Brother Chumley. It's so hard. Listen, if as soon, now notice this. This is the value of having the Holy Spirit living in the inside of you. As soon as you make the choice, He supplies the grace to carry it through. But if you don't make the choice, He can't. I mean, I've often thought, you know, these angels that, has, that are assigned to us, that are around us, you know, our, our personal... I wonder if they just kind of look at each other and say, why don't he, you know, why don't he do that? But so they just stand back and wait for us to start quoting the Word of God and standing on it, and then they're, you know, they're obligated to fulfill what the Father wants them to fulfill. So what we're talking about here in putting off is repentance. That's repentance. Repentance not only means to turn away from, but repentance means to turn away and turn to something. See? Turn away and turn you know, towards something else. It's the Greek word metanoia. You know this, don't you, brother? Metanoia. There's that little word noia again. And we get, it, we get the Greek word noose from. It's talking about our mind. It's our understanding. So meta means with. So with your mind you turn away from that behavior or that thing or whatever it is. You turn away from that, but you turn to something else. See, What is it we turn to? Amen. We turn to the Word. We, turn, you know, we, we, we focus, we set our face, uh, as it says, like a flint. We, we put our gaze, as Colossians say. We, set our, we, we, we look upon those things that are above. We keep our gaze, we keep our attention, we keep our appetites, we keep everything focused on Him. You say, well, that's awful hard, brother. Well, one day it won't be. You'll have a glorified body. But until you get control of this thing that you're living in, you're going to have to say, sit down, shut up, behave. We're going to do the Word of God. See? It's like Brother, brother uh, who was it? Uh, I don't know whether it was Brother Norman or, or you or somebody, might have, might have been Bill, somebody said, that, uh, you know, when you put these things off, when, you, when, you, when you're repenting, it never feels good. It's not going to get in line with you. You're going to have to put it down. And so, see, repentance, meaning turning away, it metanoia, changing of, changing of mind, changing of thoughts, looking on something. Listen, I cannot turn away from something I like to do without turning to something that is going to replace that from the Word of God. I can't do it personally. I mean, I, I like watching that one-eyed monster over there as much as anybody likes it. And sometimes it's really hard to turn away from it. You know, the deceit, I, I guess the deceitfulness of television, movies, or whatever, is that it has, it has the ability to place a concept inside you before you have chance to think about it. Yes. And it just, it just sticks it right in there. And so if we allow that to continue, we're going to be brought down. Now another kind of repentance is the kind that we never should be involved in. Never ever. Many of us have. I mean, when I was an ultra-Pentecostal preacher, if I didn't get people down to the, down to the front squalling and bawling and snotting and all that stuff down there in the front. If I didn't get I didn't think we had a good service. And I back then I you know I knew how to whip people into it. You know, get them down there. I saw one guy, one young kid 
he 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 was down on the floor. He talked about holy rolling. He was holy. He was down on the floor and he scooted over to the wall and started kicking that wall as hard as he could. I thought, my God, you're going to kick a hole in the wall. But you see, the kind of repentance that we don't need to have any dealings with is the Greek word metamelamai. Metamelamai is one that is full of emotion. One that brings tears. Oh, I'm so sorry. And, I, and I'm sorry about this too, but I can't help it every time that I even mention that word. I see Jimmy Swaggart on TV crying, saying, oh God, don't take your Holy Spirit from me. But because that was metamelamai. That was, not, that was not turning away and turning to. That was just being sorry for it. You know, I'm sorry for it too. So it's full of feeling. Now in Philippians 4, we find a list there. Uh, uh, Philippians 4, 8 and 9. He says, think on these things. It's, and, and that's again the word logizomai. Reckon. Weigh the reasons. Means to deliberate. Or to meditate on these things. Let's, let's, just, let's just change that word to that. So therefore, meditate on these things. Uh, you know, med meditate on reality, not suppositions. That, that's, a, that's a good way to put that. Whatever things are true, meditate on that. Whatever things are honest, uh, just, Whatever things are pure, lovely, have a good report, ha having praise. What you, you set your mind on those things. That, I mean, that there is a list. What, I mean, it's, all, it's in black and white. All we have to do is say, well, this is what I'm looking at, and this is the word. So, I'll, you know, I mean, I'll give you the answer to the test. Look at the word. It's honest and true and lovely and having uh, virtue and praise. It's virtuous. So, so keep your mind focused on that. Now, now here in, in verse uh, 23, I think, is it, and be renewed, yeah, in the spirit of your mind. The Greek inverts that because one of the greatest fallacies of mind renewal teaching is teaching you that your natural mind can be renewed. And it cannot Romans 8 says that it is not subject to the law of God, neither indeed can be. So consequently, religious organizations that are not, and I know the Pentecostals do it too and Charismatics, but anyway, primarily people are caught up trying to do a program of works to try to get our thinking straight. And we do need to get our thinking straight. But it's got to come from your spiritual mind. Your spirit has a mind and your flesh has a mind. You have one soul, two minds. You say, well, you mean we're schizophrenic? Yeah. Yeah, we are. We have two minds. James calls it a double-minded man. That, and he's talking in the context there uh, to follow the plan of. He that follows the plan of both minds is, is unstable in all of his ways. And he's not going to receive anything from God. See, Romans 8, if you'll really... Romans 8 is the greatest chapter in that whole book of Romans. It's the peak. So if you'll get that, if you'll get that down there, you'll see in there that he that walks after the Spirit, the mind of the Spirit, or the mind of the flesh. The word mind there 
In that context means to follow the plan of. Now, I'm sorry, but there's an enemy out there that's been watching you pretty much all your whole life. And he has a plan for your life. And he knows what buttons to push. He knows what temptations to put in your way that will lure you over into that what he's got for you. The plan, the overall plan. But you see, we also have a plan that's put in our spirit at the time of the new birth. The plan of God. And then on top of that, he gives us a precious Holy Spirit to inactivate that plan. He works hand in hand with us. He won't do it for us. He's a helper. But he will help us. Glory to God. I love one translation is talking about, one expositor was talking about the, the comforting of the Holy Spirit, the comforter, and how that it is not what we've always thought, that he's just somebody that's a comforter. Well, you know, bless his little heart. He's come along just to help us and going to take care of us when we have problems. No. The Holy Spirit, the real word for parakletos, is someone that is sent alongside to help you do what God's called you to do. And since it's God, there's no holds. I mean, we're going to do it, bless God. If we'll hang in there with Him, I'm telling you, He will, he will projectile us into absolute success in every area of our life. So be renewed. Let your, let your spiritual mind be renewed. It can only be done by the Holy Spirit. It can only be done by divine illumination. That's what tongues is for. Remember? 1 Corinthians 14, 1. He that speaketh in an unknown tongue speaketh not unto who? Men. So to all the Baptists that don't believe in that, say, well, you know, that's just another language. No. You're not speaking to a man. You're speaking unto God. Divine mysteries. How be it? How be it means how does this work? What is the plan? How be it in the Spirit, and that's not the Holy Spirit, that's your Spirit, He speaketh mysteries. And those mysteries are those little tiny things that God has placed in you to help you be successful in every endeavor for Him for the rest of your life. Those little mysteries, those things. See, it's the Holy Spirit's job. He gave me some new revelation the other day about this, and I'm just aching to do it. We're probably going to do it the first Sunday in September about, about how He wants to help us and how, how this mechanism works. So those mysteries, can anybody remember the little definition we put on what a mystery was? I've said it here in this class, I'm sure, at least five times. What is a mystery? Now, now think about this. Let's all close our eyes. And I want you to see this. I want you to, wait, 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 open your eyes back. If you see, if you can think of something that you desire from God, as far as ministry is concerned or whatever it may be, if you can see that right now in your mind, I want you to close your eyes now and I'm going to quote to you the, the definition of that thing that you want. All right, let's close our eyes. A mystery is that which being outside the range, now see that in your mind, you can't reach it. See yourself trying to get a hold of it. You can't reach it. So that which being outside the range of your natural apprehension and can be made known to you only by divine illumination and that by the Holy Spirit. Now open your eyes. 
That's how you're going to get that. Whatever, whatever it is. You pray it out from here. All the answers you need in your life is in here. It's in the Holy Spirit. And so, so that mystery, that whatever, that commodity, whatever it may be, is in there. Amen? So, that's all talking about renewing your, your spiritual mind. And then as your spiritual mind gains ascendancy in your life, then you can take authority over the mind of the flesh and say, shut up, we're not doing that today. We're going to do the will of God. Amen? And notice this in verse uh, 24. He says, and that you put on the new man. I like saying it this way, put on the pneuma man. P-N-E-U-M-A, pneuma, it means spirit. You put on the pneuma man, the, the spirit man. Put on in duo, it really means to clothe. The word Greek word in duo means to clothe oneself with. Now think about that. It's up to us. Paul is telling us here, this process, that we have to put it on. If we don't put it on, somebody's not going to put it on for you. I know Terry was telling me, she has five sisters. And she was telling me that when they were all growing up, that they all, when their daddy came home, I mean, they took his boots off. They, they coddled that man. I'm telling you, he had it made. He had a harem. They're taking care of him, you see. But see, it's not like that in our walk with the Lord. The Holy Spirit, remember, the Holy Spirit is God, isn't he? And he has the same attributes. If I get to the end of this lesson, I'll tell you them. But he has the same attributes. So he's not going to override your decision to be ignorant. He's not going to override that. I mean, as, as much as it hurts him, as much as it grieves him, he's not going to override us when we just are lazy and don't put on these things. We slip them on. I mean, I don't care if you have to get in the privacy of your bedroom and you just physically, in your mind, you just put on the pneuma man. You, you put him on. You start walking according to that. I, I like the way the, the, the Greek word of kainio, I think, is the Greek word for new. And it literally means freshly made. Glory to God. Put, put, put him on. 2 Corinthians 4.16, it says, be renewed. But, but the word there is talking anakinio, which means to be changed into a new life. It also has this connotation to it. This, I love this. Impossible to grow old. Amen. <laughs> Amen. Impossible. That means your spirit is impossible to grow old. Glory to God. So, there's three things that we have to realize. Number one, as I told you, is that we're dead. Uh, Colossians three three says that we are we are hid with we are dead, and our life is hid with Christ in God. Crypto is the Greek word hid there. Number two, you are alive. Romans six eleven says that we are alive unto God. So so I mean, isn't that a kind of a weird deal? We've got to realize we're dead, and then we've got to turn around and realize we're alive. Well, we're dead because of this body we live in. We're, we're dead to its desires. We're dead 
to sin. We're dead to sickness. We're dead to disease. We're talking about the pneuma man. It, that's the one that's dead to all these things. And, and I mean, you know, during the when the rapture happens and we get our glorified bodies, that element of our life will no longer exist. You'll no longer live in a body that wants to sin. Isn't that wonderful? It will always want to do the will of God. I personally believe that it won't ever have to sleep. I believe we'll come and go from heaven to earth at will, you know, whenever we'll, we'll of course, be led by God, by the Lord Jesus. But, uh, I mean, that, that's just wonderful. And then number three, you have grace to change. Uh, Paul said to the church at Corinth, he said in, in chapter 12 and verse 9, he said, my grace, God told him, he said, my grace is sufficient for you. You remember Paul's petition before the Lord there about the thorn in the flesh. And he was wanting God to take it away from him. But notice that, you know, this is not the this is not what everybody else has been preaching about it. You know, that God had put eye disease on him and all that stuff. Uh, I know one expositor said, and I think he's pretty correct, is that Paul's eyes were actually gouged out when he was uh, when he was stoned to death. And then he rest God restored that. But he said he said, my grace is sufficient for you. That means you have the wherewithal to end this stuff. You can overcome these things. I mean, just think about it. He's been beaten with rods three times. Do you understand what that meant? It didn't just mean they had some kind of rebar or something hitting him with it. There was a big Roman soldier got his feet up there and stuck his feet sticking out that way and they beat his feet with that iron rod until every bone in his foot was, feet were broken and then stood him back up and then he went and preached the gospel to the known world. So, so, so Paul walked that out, see. And there's a whole big message about Paul's thorn that we can give you at some point, but uh, his, you know, it, the, the word sufficient here is archaeo which means to be sufficient, means to be possessed, listen to this, unfailing strength. So let's read it that way. My gift to you, that's what grace is, of course, is a gift. My grace to you, my ability to you is unfailing strength to succeed in this world. Why don't we walk this out? My Lord, partners with the Holy Spirit is, is, is the key. Amen? Yeah. Uh, when the Lord Jesus raised from the dead, you know, we talked a few weeks ago about when He rose, He gave gifts unto men. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, the gift of helps and, and governments. All those gifts are in Him. And when He raised from the dead, it's almost like a picture of throwing it back down. Just, just throw it. I like the way Dave Roberson puts it in that book that I gave you to read. It's, it's almost like He just threw those gifts down back to the earth when He raised. Because you see, all those gifts were in Him. And when, when those gifts are received, I mean, they're not received just to dilly-dally with. They're received to go forth. And accomplish the will of God. Amen? So, Ephesians 4.25 then. Wherefore, 
putting away lying. I know there's a misprint there. Teru told me, well, I forgot to correct that. I said, honey, when you were typing this, why would you put uh, put away living? <laughs> yes, when she ran it, when she copied them, she corrected them. I mean, you know, with her pen. But uh, put away lying. Uh, uh, pseudos is the Greek word. It's literally lying is a, uh, it's a conscious effort to deceive or withhold information for your own benefit. You've heard this people say, oh, well, you know, I really didn't lie. I just didn't tell all the truth. Listen, you are misrepresenting the truth and that's a lie. White lies are as bad as any lie. And you see, here's the reason. why It's so interesting to me that Paul lists the first thing that we put away is lying. Because apparently he knew that it was going to be a huge part of all of our lives. Because we do that a lot. You know, it, usually it's done under the guide. If you're a Christian and you, and you, you know, you walk, trying to walk according to the Lord and all, you'll say, well, it, it just would have hurt them if I'd have told the truth. Well, listen, what you're saying is that your lie, ever how so subtle it was, was going to arrive at the answer better than the truth would have arrived at the answer. In other words, you're risking the damage that that lie would have done uh, other than the truth. See? I mean, if somebody... Let's say, let's say this. I'm sure there's a lot of people like this. Uh, that, that they don't like my preaching or teaching. And so I ask them to come, you know, and all this. Well, you know, I've got so much to do. I've just got, you know, I've been invited out or whatever. And they say that, and that's a lie. The reason they don't want to come, I just don't like your preaching. I mean, most of the time, I already know anyway. Because, you know, from the Spirit. You kind of you know. Some of you know what I'm talking about. You just kind of have a witness on the inside. You know, it's just because they don't like you. So just go ahead and being honest and telling somebody, well, I just don't like you. You know, they say, well, you know, brother, you know, we just don't feel right or whatever. It's lying. And he's telling, listen, the reason why that this is so important is because God cannot add himself to your foundation of lies. He cannot bless you even though you were doing it under the guise of love to keep from hurting somebody. Uh, that, that, listen, this is, this is as blunt as I can put this. If you lie, no matter how, whether you call it a white lie or a big bold-faced lie, you will not get your prayers answered. That God won't answer them. It's not that he's just, you know, pouting about it. It's just that he can't. He cannot add himself to your foundation of lies. It's just like uh, saying, "Well, it's okay if you leave this section of the foundation. Uh, the, leave the blocks out there. We'll just fill it up with sand." That's what God would be doing. See, He cannot assist us in our growth when we're when we're accustomed to lying. So, this conscious effort to deceive is so subtle. 
I mean, Satan began with it in the Garden of Eden. I mean, he, he told those people lies about what this was going to do for them. He didn't explain all the ramifications. He just said, hey, this is going to make you wise. Well, it's going to, it, it made them wise in the worldly way. It didn't make them wise God's way, you see. Y'all get anything out of this? Now, I've listed here Hebrews 4.12 for you. And, 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 and this is the way I wanted to put this out, so I wrote this down. The Word of God is the only qualified standard to discern the thoughts and intents of the heart. Nobody else can. No other source can. It's, it's only the Word of God. The Word of God is a divider and it separates it out. You, that's the only way you're going to know whether you're walking in the Spirit or walking after the flesh is from the Word of God and what it says. And as I said here, your emotions fluctuate. Your new nature does not fluctuate. That's the real you, the pneuma man. The real you on the inside, it doesn't fluctuate. But emotionally, you do fluctuate all the time. Uh, have you ever realized, you know, we read some of Romans 6 a while ago. It says, let not sin. Let, L-E-T. One of the biggest words in the English language. Let. So if you can let not, then you can also turn around and let. See, Jesus said in, uh, what was it, John 14. He said, let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. See, So we have that option. The let is on our part. And, and we, you know, we can walk in that or not. Now, the next thing here in Ephesians 4, it doesn't look like I'm going to get through with this lesson, is he says, speak to every man. Let's see. Wherefore, putting away lying, comma, speak every man truth with his neighbor, semicolon, or colon, for or because we are members one of another. Now, that's what we emphasize here at Crosspoint quite a bit, especially in our communion services is that we are one body. We, we are members one of another. But I want to back up here. He says, wherefore. Notice that. Put away lying. When you make the choice to put away lying, the Holy Spirit will supply you the grace with what to say to them. He will give you different words than you were going to use. And, you know, a lot of times we just don't want to get involved in people's lives, I think. You know, when you go up and ask somebody how they're doing, most people don't really care how you're doing. That's just a, a greeting. See? So the reason he has put these two concepts together about lying and speaking truth is that many times we would rather say the little lie and brush it off because we really don't want to get involved in the situation rather than if we would speak the truth, which here indicates laleo is the word speak. And most of the time in the New Testament, the Greek word laleo is talking about tongues. So what he's talking about here is that the Holy Spirit will supply you supernaturally a word that will go and meet that problem and you're in a position where you can lift that person out of whatever problem they're in, whatever, whatever the case may be. You are in a position to work a miracle or a gift of healing or, or whatever it may be. That's what he's talking about here, speaking truth to every man. It's not just, you know, just on surface here, just reading black and white letters. Uh, it's not really, you know, saying... We'll just tell the truth. I mean, you can learn that in vacation Bible school. Just, just 
Just be honest. Tell the truth. But it's much deeper than that. It's talking about originating your words from a source that is from God. And when it comes out of you, it ministers life to the hearers. And you're able to recover that person. You know, after all, that's what our job is, is to recover people. There's people out there all the time we, we are face to face with that, are, that need recovering, that need restoring, that need healing, that need help. So you communicate out of your spirit into people's lives. Verse 26, offenses are going to come, but if it makes you angry, sin not. Now in the Greek language, you have to t- interpret a lot of times by the, by the text. And in this text, this phrase, be angry and sin not, is in question form. Are you angry? Don't sin. And know how it's t- tied together with the previous verses. Because anger and lying are pretty much tied together. You see, when people get angry, it's usually because they've been hurt. When people get angry and hurt. So those two go together, and he's saying here, well, my Bible just turned red. Look at there. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not the sun go down upon your wrath. What in the world does that mean? That means this. In the day of the offense, let it be the day of the reconciliation. Do not let the sun set. Because see, we're in, we're, 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 our job is to recover people. Not just cut ties. I told you the other day, one of the attributes of, uh, in, after the flesh in my family is that if you if you hurt our feelings, we cut you off. I mean, that's just, we're done. There's someone in my family, I'm trying not to <clears throat> name names, because Mama listens to this, but there's someone in our family that got, got hurt a long time ago by another family member, and that person has not spoken to them since. So, so we need to keep up in this walk of the Spirit. We have to realize that when we're walking in the Spirit and we're walking in love, we're putting on the new man. We're not fluctuating. We're following after that gift of the Holy Spirit inside us and we're communicating and we're, 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 we're wanting to give them a word from God. Then, in fact, we'll, the Holy Spirit will supernaturally supply the communication necessary to meet that situation that's causing anger. Now, do you remember what it says over in, uh, in Matthew 5? What happens when there's an offense? Jesus said, offenses are going to come. I mean, you just mark that down. You're gonna, you're gonna, you may have an opportunity every day to be offended, to be upset. But Jesus said, go to that person. But it's easier to turn away and lie about it. Oh, it's okay. No, I didn't get hurt. Yeah, carry that to your prayer closet and see if you're going to get a prayer answered. It's not going to happen. And I'm telling you, as your pastor, I want all of your prayers to work. My doctor and my therapist have been telling me that, man, you're doing great for just being two weeks. I said, i got a bunch of people praying for me. So I want your prayers to be heard. Amen? So lying and anger goes hand in hand. Uh, you know, there, there's a saying that, uh, let's see, how is it? Millions have 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 died to save face, but untold millions have lied to save face. 
And that seems to be the true. So we need to consider the end of what we're doing when we, when we lie and, and keep these things. Uh, uh, Hebrews 6.18, let's see, I've got a few minutes here. Uh, one of the things it says here that it is impossible for God to lie. Uh, the nine attributes of God is this. We've, we've shared this. I've written them down on the board. Can anybody tell me today what they are? The nine attributes. Number one is sovereignty. God is sovereign. Although that's not in the Bible. We know because God is God, He's sovereign. And I could teach a big thing on each one of these, but I'm not going to. The next one is God is just judgment. That's another attribute. God is judgment. Number three, God is righteousness. Number four, He is immutable. That's Hebrews 6.18. Number five, He is eternal life. Number six, He is love. Seven, He is omniscient. Eight, He is omnipotent. And then, of course, He is omnipresent. That's his attributes. Now, I, want you to, I, I, I wanted to bring that out primarily because we have to remember that the Holy Spirit is God and he has the same attributes. Jesus has the same attributes. So we, we need to understand that it's impossible for him to lie. That's why he can't add himself to your lie. See? And, I, and I don't have time to get into it, but a lot of people, when they hear me say that, or hear that said, they go over to the, New, the Old Testament and where he told somebody to lie. But uh, I'm not going to get into that right now. I, I, I assure you, God is not a liar. And then, of course, verse 27, and we'll pick up here next time. Neither give place, topos, portion, space, occasion, opportunity to the devil. Notice how he's tied all that in. Don't fragment those verses out. Even though they're, they're numbered, leave them in context. It all goes together. When we lie, we give an occasion. We give a portion. We give space, occasion, opportunity to the devil. Amen? So let's put it out of our lives. Amen?